Good morning, DCF family and friends. Um, those who are new with us this morning, welcome. We're glad you've joined us. Um, this, I don't know about y'all, but man, we've walked through some stuff in 2023, haven't we? And um, today we are going to have some testimonies of just the Lord's faithfulness and His kindness and His goodness towards us. So I just want to read a little bit of scriptures for us this morning as we open up and we get ready to start our service. Psalms 145 says this, I will exalt you, O God, my King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about your majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. They, and, and you give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him, yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him. So this morning, will you stand with me as we worship our beautiful king, our wonderful father, who God has revealed himself to again and again and again in every generation. And this morning, our hope and our prayer is, is that you will experience the goodness of our God, that you will hear the testimonies of his faithfulness and what he's done for us this year. Um, this morning, we're not here with a pretty bow and, uh, you know, a box that's all wrapped up and great and wonderful and it looks perfect, um, you know, because life is messy, life is real. But what we have experienced this year is the kindness of God, His love, His steadfastness, His mercy, His tender kindness towards us. So this morning, let's lift up our hearts, let's lift up our song, and let's worship Him because He loved us first. So now our response is that we can love and worship Him back. So Heavenly Father, we just come this morning God, we are thankful for a year, Lord, that as it comes to a close, Lord, um, we get to look back over this last year and just see how wonderful, 
how wonderful you've been to us, Lord God, in the midst of every circumstance and every situation, Lord. God, that you have shown yourself true and kind and mighty and powerful, Lord, in our lives, Lord. So, God, we just thank you this morning, and our hearts are abandoned to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords this morning. We honor you, and we worship you, and we bless the name that is above every other name this morning. Thank you, Jesus. It's you that we worship. Amen. Let's worship together. The dead 
Cool. 
So as we were singing this, I knew this line was in here. It's a new horizon. And I feel like for somebody this morning, you've been in a dark season. And I'm reminded of a scene in a particular movie of where they were fighting, they were fighting, they were fighting, but they were surrounded by the enemy. And they were reminded of something they were told. They said, on the third morning, look to the east. And they decided, we're going to ride out and we're going to meet whatever comes over that hill. So they get ready. They get their gear. They mount up. They ride amongst the enemy and they ride out into all that darkness. And as the dawn of that third morning rose... It's like seeing him come over the hill and this beautiful sunrise and this strong ray of light that as they went out and rode to meet, he came down into that with them and pierced as he came over the hill and rode down through towards the enemy to meet the other combatants coming out of the fortress. This immense piercing ray of light shone down and obliterated the enemy. It's a new horizon for you. You don't stay in the darkness. There is a new horizon for you. And it is the light of His glory and the salvation of Jesus Christ that rides down to meet you in that dark place. We were on an airplane uh, traveling one time with some friends, and they had a little girl. It was the first flight, and uh, her dad said, look out the window, honey, at the clouds. And so she looked out, and she looked up, and she said, Dad, there aren't any clouds. And he said, baby, look down. And she looked down, and she saw the clouds, and she turned around. I'll never forget her face. She's like, oh, what? <laughs> and it was, it was an interesting thing. It was a revelation to her that she was above the clouds. And I think in so many ways, you know, this, this word is exactly what's happening with us. So often we get connected into the, the darkness, the rain, and all the things that are happening. And I don't know if you've ever been on an airplane, and you've flown out in a storm, and the rain, and the wind, and it's horrible, and you're like, oh, this is so scary, so scary, so scary. And at some point, it breaks through the clouds, and you realize that the sun has been shining the entire time. And I think in so many ways, this is the revelation that you're discovering this morning, if you've been in that dark place, that this is Jesus. He's been Jesus the whole time. He's been promised, the Bible says, the Lamb was slain before the foundation of time. Before there was ever a problem, before there was ever a storm, before there was ever issues, before there was ever danger, there was Jesus. And when He manifests Himself, again, Emmanuel, we just celebrated this at Christmas, he came and he said, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to be up in the sky, right? In the sweet by and by. I'm going to come and I'm going to be with you. And I just want to share with you this morning, if that's you and you've been in that dark place, it's, you, can, you can think about, man, I just need God to come and do something for me. And listen, he will, and this whole service is going to be about that. But I'm telling you, what he's going to do for you is what he's going to do in you. It's a revelation of who He is, what He accomplished on the cross on your behalf, 
and that he is the lover of your soul. He is the one who has compassion and kindness even on your worst day. In your brokenness, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so that light, that beautiful sunlight that come over the hill 2,000 years ago on the third day, looked to the east, the sun was shining. The Bible says that, that on that day it got dark and then something happened in the temple. It said that the, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. And all that, that was a picture of God saying, I have come down and I have broken the veil. I have ripped the veil. There is now no distance between us. And that was a word we had in prayer this morning as well. There is no distance between us. But you have to do something about it. You have to have that revelation like that little girl that she was above the clouds. And the truth is, the light was shining the whole time. Her whole life had been under clouds. But now she realizes there was something above it. So I just want to pray for you. If that's you this morning, would you just open your heart to Jesus? If you are a believer, would you let the light in? Let Him give you revelation about who He is and what He's doing for you. And if you're not a believer this morning, that you would finally... Once and for all, put your trust and put your faith in Jesus. So I just want to pray for you, and we're going to worship a little bit more before we get into the next part of our service. So Jesus, you knew who would be here this morning, Lord. Lord, you you knew the songs that would be played. Lord, you knew everything about us. You know everything about us, Lord. And this moment, Lord, you chose to reach out, to speak. Lord, to resonate in someone's heart this morning, in all of our hearts. But Lord, someone who's been in that dark place, Lord, and the light has shown. Jesus, let this revelation be of you and what you're doing, what you've already done, but what you're doing inside of us. Lord, you are transforming us. You are continuing to make us more and more like you. Lord, we've been given a new nature as believers, a new heart. But Lord, you are maturing us. You are growing us up as sons and daughters, Lord. We're learning to trust our Father, learning to see our Father accurately, Lord. Learning not to listen to the lies, but listen to the truth of our Father. So this morning, Lord, if whatever that person, wherever that person's been, Lord, would you break through with the light? Lord, and let them receive every good thing that you've given them in Christ. Salvation, Lord, healing your mercy, your kindness, your goodness. Let it come in power this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
It's my defense. 
Thank you that it is the blood of Jesus that brings me peace with God. It is my hope. It is the hope of our future, Lord. Jesus, in you and you alone, Lord, we worship you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you because of Jesus. I have a hope-filled future, Lord. We have a hope-filled future, Lord, that your plans for us are good not to do us harm, not to bring calamity upon our lives, Lord, but a future that is full with hope, Lord. God, we thank you that your thoughts for us are good, Lord. They outnumber the sands of the seashore, Lord. God, and that's a lot of thoughts, Lord. Thank you that your thoughts for me outnumber the stars in the sky, Lord. God, you have good thoughts and good plans for our lives this morning. Lord, we worship you and we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are so good to us. Yeah, Lord, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. I just wanted to share something. Marcy um, came and shared with us right before Jen shared. She said, I just had this picture of just light exploding, bursting out through the windows um, uh, here with us. And I know that's a very natural, practical thing from our roof line. But um, it's more than that. It's the, it's the glory of the Lord and who he is for us that the light of the Lord has risen upon you. And um, so we're glad and thankful that you're with us this morning. We're going to turn our attention to the screen. We're going to kind of look at the year of 2023 here at DCF in review. And you kind of get to see some of the things that has happened in this local body, in this local family, in our time together, and how we've enjoyed one another, how we've had connection, how we've built from friendship, we've built into family. And so we hope you enjoy that, and we hope that you will be looking forward to how do you become a part of this church family, this local body, in 2024.
Amen. Give yourselves a hand. Uh, that is all about you. Um, I feel like, you know, we could be the This Is Us kind of uh, series, but uh, we do um, uh, just have a great outlook and a great hope for our year of 2024 and just more connection, more belonging, and um, really just doing this thing called life together, you know, in the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the ugly. So if you are new with us this morning, welcome. We're so glad that you've joined us. You can go to DothanCF.com, do a connection card. We'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Some of us would, um, one of our leaders would be in touch with you and um, just kind of find out how does your story fit into our story. And so uh, we look forward to that with you. Um, this Friday night, we are going to be doing um, Youth Clue Night. It's basically the church turns into the Clue game board, if you've ever played Clue. And so Callie and David Woodham are going to be leading that. Um, and details will be up on our website for what will be going on there. And um, so we want to just make sure that you know a little bit about that. It's like this where it's like, oh, we've got an escapee, you know. So, um, but, uh, so that's, it's real life, y'all, it's real life. So, but Youth Clue Night, so it's for our kids that are um, sixth grade and above for there. So they're welcome to come. And um, we have got coming up our grace teams as well as our, um, uh, sorry, my mind just went blank, grace teams and our um, Membership classes, sorry, it's got membership matters, and I'm like, I can't read it because of the light being in my eyes. I'm so sorry, y'all. But at membership, if you're interested in being a member at DCF, we would love for you to come find out about that. That's going to be in January. Um, our grace teams is what we call, um, in a lot of churches, we'll call them like your volunteers or the people where you serve. We call them grace teams because we know that there's a grace on your life, and that grace on your life is designed to help the local body and the local church grow and become everything that God's designed it to be and to fulfill its purpose. And so um, those will be coming up in January as well. And so um, this morning, we're going to dismiss our kids. And um, youth, you're going to be staying in with us this week, this week particularly, because we want you to be a part of hearing about the testimonies and what's going on and what this service looks like. And they will be talking about some of that with our kids um, Mark and Suzette are going to be uh, taking care of them, and David is going to be coming up and starting and kicking off our message um, as we share this morning the testimonies of 2023 and what the Lord has done among us, and um, also what we're looking forward to in 2024. All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, if you are new here, glad to have you guys. My name is David Hale. I'm the lead elder here at DCF. I'd um, like to welcome you, but also say hello to the people who join us online. We recognize that a lot of people uh, will check us out online before they ever show up on a Sunday morning. So we're glad to have you guys as well and look forward to seeing you soon. I want to kick today off with a story about Marcy and Travis. So they did not know I was going to do this. <laughs> but uh, Marcy and Travis um, are, first of all, they're our friends. Uh, we've been together now for about seven or eight years, I guess, something like that. And they're deacons in our church, part of our leadership team team, and just good friends. We hang out a lot together, um, eat lunch, eat dinner. Um, we, we eat a lot, don't we? <laughs> anyway, so um, when they first came, a couple of stories. One, when they first came, uh, their daughter had been praying for them to, to get back into church. They'd gotten hurt uh, in church um, uh, previously, and so they'd been out for a while. Anyway, she said, she told, told me the story. She said, um, when, I, when I came the first time, she said, I told Travis, I've got seven questions I'm going to ask that pastor. 
And if he doesn't have an answer for all of those seven questions, then I'm, you know, I don't know that I'm going to go back or something. To the <laughs> anyway, she said, she told me later, um, she said, do you know that you answered all seven of my questions in your sermon? And I said, that's because Travis called me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I said, I said, Marcy, I'm not, you have to know, I'm not that good. I mean, I'm, I love to preach and I love to communicate. I am not that good. So that obviously had to do with God. And so God's heart for them was to get them past the hurt, get them plugged in and get them reconnected with who he was in, in his goodness and his kindness and all those things. And then uh, early on, they heard a, a testimony of a family, God's provision in this family. And I won't go into the details. They've shared it before. But part of it was just God's provision, his love for them and how he provided this family. And Travis and Marcy looked at that and they said, Lord, that's amazing. You're so good. You've been so good to that family. I want that as well. Can I have that? Can I have your provision, the way they understood provision and the way they understood biblical finance and how you provided for them in every way um, and understanding that entirely? Lord, I want that. And to their credit, obviously to the Lord's credit, he gave that to them. But part of it was it had always been available to them. They just didn't know until this family shared a good story, a story about God's goodness and what he was going to do in a testimony. And then they heard that testimony. And now they have shared that testimony so many times in so many ways. And, and what they, they, you'll hear them do a testimony all the time. So almost every other week they're sharing a testimony. And the reason why is because they've tapped into the goodness of God in such a way that they generally just, they genuinely expect God to be good to them. Shocker, right? <laughs> Shocker. They went from God's unkind, the pastor's probably lying, so I've got seven questions for him that's going to, you know, trip him up, to God's kindness and his goodness is not just available to us. And part of why I love they, sh they share the testimony, because I remember uh, Marcy said, you know, I don't know if I can talk in front of people. That's just impossible. I can never do that. Now she does it all the time. And it's not that the fear went away. It's just the love for what God is doing in her and through her and wants to do through other people through the testimony and what God's put inside them and their family. Um, it just comes out naturally, and she just can't wait to do it. It's just overwhelmed the fear. So anyway, I love that. So what is a testimony? This, today is about testimony. So I'm, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to preach a, a short message. I know that's way different than what I normally do. But <laughs> my wife's going to come up, and we're going to kind of tag team, and she's going to share a couple of things, and we're going to pray, and we're going to trust God that the testimonies that we've received and that we, you've heard with others, that God's going to do those same things uh, for you as we go into this new year. So what is a testimony? Does everyone have one? Can I get one if I don't have one? Where do they come from? Should I be sharing them? All questions about testimony. I don't even know what it is. So what is a testimony? Legally, we hear this all the time in culture, in our culture. In the law, testimony is a form of evidence in which a witness makes a solemn declaration or affirmation for the purpose of establishing or proving some fact. They're testifying to what they saw. And when someone testifies, the, the lawyer on the other side will often bring objections. Because what, what that's designed to do is for them to just tell what they saw, not what it means. <laughs> right? So it's interesting because then the, the, their lawyer will try to establish the evidence and this is what it actually proves in a court of law. But a testimony from Bible standards, understanding of biblically, is a little bit different. Because in, in the other one, the jury decides what the testimony means, right? But this biblical testimony is a little bit different. So the definition is basically a spoken or written record of any of God's activity in our lives. And it turns out that God's activity in our lives is good. He's a good, good father. Is the reason why we sing that song. So sharing a story of what God has done to give others hope of what he would do for them is a testimony. 
So this morning, you're going to hear lots of testimonies, but God has already done people's lives in this last year. And that's just the few that actually people have written down. There's so many more. It's interesting how often we forget our testimony because it comes, we're, we're blown away by it, we're excited about it, and then very, very quickly the circumstances of life can grab hold of our heart again and we can forget God's kindness and his goodness. And so we, we, we actually forget his nature and we think of him differently because of the circumstances. And part of what testimonies are trying to do is establish something inside of us that solidifies a truth about God's kindness, his character, his nature, his goodness, who he is. And when we get that and then that becomes who he is, then circumstances cannot take that away from us. And that's really, really important. So let me start with Revelation 19.10. There's so many scriptures. There's so much about to talk about this. I could do a whole series on it. But this is Revelation 19.10. And this is John uh, getting a revelation from the angel, and he's supposed to share it. So he writes it down in, in a best-selling book. Some of you guys have read it, right? And so he's sharing this, and so the angel's talking to him. And he says, this is John speaking. He says, and I, John, fell at his feet, talking about the angel, to worship him. So he was so powerful, this revelation was coming, he fell to worship him. But the angel said to me, See that you don't do that. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Hear that? There's that, word, that phrase again. I'm, I'm a servant of you and your brothers. You guys are the ones who have the testimony of Jesus. I'm a servant to you guys. Isn't that interesting? Servant to God and servant to, to the, the people of God. And then he says, worship God. In other words, don't worship me, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I remember the first time I read that, I went, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> so I, I knew a little bit about prophecy, knew a little bit about testimony, knew a little bit about spirit, but I could not put those together for the life of me. And I, I began to see and, and begin to understand what it looks like. Because when I understood who Jesus is and what he did and what he's done for me and then what he's done for me and then what he's going to do in me and through me, that I begin to understand what the testimony of Jesus is. The testimony of Jesus is his story. And it doesn't start at his birth or end at his death on the cross. It begins long before time. I shared this in worship time. Um, that he was, he was born, uh, he was um, crucified before the foundation of time. He was destined before the foundation of time to solve the problem that sin was going to bring into the good garden. Right, And so, so this picture of this, all the prophecies, we talked about this in the last series, all the promises of God that, that culminate in a baby being born and this declaration. And then he, Jesus grows up and he lives a perfect sinless life. He, he followed the law perfectly. Nobody else had ever done that. And then he dies a sinner's death, your death, my death, what we should have died. And then when he did that, the Bible says he, he, he gave up his life. Nobody took it. He gave it away in an exchange. He gave, he gave his righteousness, the righteous, the perfect righteousness that he had established in himself through living the perfect law. He gave that as a gift to you and I, to anyone, John said again in his gospel, to anyone who would receive it. Anyone who would say yes and put their trust and their faith in that. So Jesus is, his testimony is what he, who he is literally from the foundation of time to now he sits on the throne and, and Revelation goes to great lengths to declare that he's no longer, the next time he comes, he's not coming as a baby. He's coming as a, a mighty king riding on a white horse. It's majestic. The picture that, that it paints is you're, you're going to notice it. It's going to be quite overwhelming. 
Testament. So what is the spirit of prophecy? The spirit of prophecy is this, is this is God's heart and his will. This is God's good nature, his good kindness, his good intent toward you and I. This is what prophecy is. It's, it's the promise of what God is, who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do in you and for you. You see it, the prophecies um, um, of Israel, the prophecy of the prophets. You know, we talked about the it, just eight prophecies coming true in any one man were, were incredibly statistically in over 200 uh, almost 300 prophecies came through in Jesus. So these are beautiful Old Testament prophecies. So what's New Testament prophecy? Is that also about telling the future? And the, and the answer is sometimes it is. It captures something of the future. But it really is about capturing and proclaiming the nature and the goodness and the kindness of God through his son, Jesus. Right? Hebrews talks about, you've heard it said in the old ways by the prophecies and the prophets and the angels have declared but in these last days, Hebrews says, he's declared who he is through his son, Jesus. You want to know God, know Jesus. And Jesus, when the disciples asked him, Lord, would you show us the Father? And his question to them was, have you been with me so long and you can't see him? Isn't that an interesting question? Have we been with Jesus so long as believers that we actually can't see him? Sometimes we're so close to the trees we can't see the forest or can't see the forest or the trees. The whole idea is if you're not careful, you miss the testimonies of this is who God is over and over and over again. So what is the spirit of prophecy? It's what he'll continue to do as you tell of his activity and tell the stories of your life. So the testimony of Jesus prophesies to other people what God is willing to do for them in the story you just told. So you can tell your testimony about how Jesus saved you. You can tell your testimony about how Jesus rescued you, how he provided for you, and the list goes on and on. And what you're doing is you're sharing the nature of God, who he is. You're declaring him to anybody who would hear and who would listen. And if they hear it, the Bible says, to those who has ears to hear, let them hear. This is the picture Jesus is painting. So secondly, a testimony is about no respecter of persons. Now, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I don't often put the King James uh, Version up here, not because I don't love the King James Bible. Um, I actually grew up with the New King James, so it took away some of the these and thous, but it was really, really close. But <clears throat> the reason why I put this up here is because of this phrase. And this is in Acts cha after, chapter 10, verse 34. It says, uh, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. So here's the story behind that. Peter is on a roof. He's hungry. He gets this vision. This vision comes, and, and there's a blanket that's let down, and inside of it are all these unclean animals. And the voice of Jesus comes to Peter in this moment and takes advantage of his hunger. And he says, Peter, rise, kill, and eat, which is another way that we know hunting is from God because he said, rise, kill, and eat. That's, again, that's a side note. But for us Southerners, we appreciate it. So he says to Peter, this is what you need to do. And, and Peter says, no, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to eat the unclean things. It's not going to happen. So three times, interestingly enough, it's like, yeah, Peter, you need to do this. God was trying, Jesus was trying to get a revelation into Peter's heart, and he would not hear it because of his religious mindset, okay? It's another, another challenge to us. And then there's a knock at the door. There's a man who'd been traveling. The whole time is God putting this together. These coincidences keep happening in Jesus. And so he shows up. And he says, come with me. And Peter, because he's had this vision, the Lord tells him to go. He goes. He ends up in this house of a man named Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion, but he was a godly man. He was, he was pursuing the God of Israel, the one true God. And, and then Peter comes in, 
and, and he knows what he's supposed to do. He shares the good news of Jesus and what he's done to the Gentiles. Just by going into this house, he had made, according to the law, he had made himself unclean, right? But if you notice, Jesus, when he would pray for sick people, he would put his hand on a leper and Jesus' goodness and kindness and his healing and his power and who he was would jump on the person who had leprosy and the leprosy would leave, like this is the difference between what Jesus did and what the law would do. The law had no power to save, the Bible says. So now Peter is coming and what should be unclean is actually going to take what was unclean and it's going to make it clean. So he tells the story. And what's interesting, when you go back and read this, he tells the story twice in the book of Acts. And I remember thinking, that's kind of silly. Why did you need to tell the same story twice in this book? It's like we could go back and read it again, right? It's not hard. But he does this because he's emphasizing, he tells a story, and then he tells a story to his brothers back in Jerusalem, who were the leaders of the Jerusalem church. So God was moving, and the Spirit of God had come. He had promised, remember in, in, in uh, the Christmas story, he had promised light to the Gentiles, not just to the Jews, but he's going to bring the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus into all the people. Good tidings for all men, right? So he, he, Peter comes and he recognizes what's happening, and then he, he sees it, and he sees them saved. They give their life to Christ. They, they trust in Jesus for their salvation, their wholeness. And then the Bible says the Spirit of God fell on them in the same way that, he fell on, he, that, he, that the Spirit had fallen on them in uh, uh, Acts chapter 2. And then he says, he, he gets a revelation. And he says, oh, I get it now, God. You don't respect us just because we're Jews. That whole thing about Jews being special, it turns out Jews were special because they were going to show the special God to everybody in the earth. They weren't special because God's like, I like the Jews, but I don't like the Gentiles, right? We get that in our own head. You know, Christians are special. Those who don't know Jesus, well, God's not so happy with them, so he's just going to send them all to hell, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we know better than that. So, so here's the story. He comes in, he says, I, I perceive something. I have a revelation that God is no respecter of persons. So what does that mean? It literally means that there is no favoritism and no partiality. So this is a revolution, a revelation. Scriptures about this all over the Bible. Deuteronomy, Peter would have read this. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality. No favoritism, no partiality. Nor take a bribe. I thought that was an interesting part of it. Romans, the New Testament. For there is no partiality with God. He's just, over, he's just saying the same thing the Old Testament has, has said. Romans 10. He goes after a little further. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek or the Gentile. This was the revelation that God gave Peter. And then Peter told the story to his Jerusalem brothers who were leading the church. Why? Because he's telling them, it looks like I've had a revelation <laughs> It looks like that God is not, Jesus didn't just come for the, for the Jews. He actually came for all people. It turns out that the stories and the prophecies are true. And it's time that we do this. Now, later on, you see Peter gets caught up, back up in this mindset when he's in Galatia. And, and uh, Paul writes, and he said, I rebuked Peter to his, faith, to his face because he was to be blamed right? So what did he do? Peter had gone back into following the Jewish law because some Judaizers had come and said, if you're a Christian, you have to also follow the law. And what it did is it excluded the Gentiles. So the people who got caught up in that mindset that it was just for the, for the Jews, they started shunning the Gentiles, which is exactly the opposite of what the gospel was for, right? And so Paul said, you don't get to do that. 
Why? Because I know, I've had the same revelation, and anybody who's had it, we understand this, that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't show partiality. And there's a reason why we're going after this today. He said, there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile when it comes to the gospel. Jesus saves anybody who will come to him. It says that in the very next verse. It's not up there, but it says this. It says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter if they're Jew, Gentile, slave, free. None of those things matter. So we had this, uh, this uh, <clears throat> deacon in our church. We were in Tyler, Texas. We'd planted a church there. And this deacon literally slid into salvation. We'd gone, he, he was, uh, he, his grown sons were having a fight, which apparently they did often. And so th- they lived right behind the church building. And so somehow another, one of their family members was there and, and I got connected into it. So I went up there to try to make peace. So I'm basically trying to stop a fight between two brothers. And very biblical. <laughs> anyway, he has, they, they have an encounter. Roger has an encounter. His wife had an encounter with Jesus and they, and they become believers. And the way that happened, they saw, they heard the testimony of what God was doing among us and they began to believe that it was true. And then one day, Roger's in the very back of the building and he had been coming for a little while. He'd been hearing the testimony of, of preaching, the testimony of people sharing what God had done in their life and his goodness. And, and at one moment, I gave an altar call. I gave a moment for people to come forward and accept Christ. And he literally ran from the back and slid into home plate, literally slid up into the, into the front of the, the platform with his hands in the air like this. And he said out loud, tell me what I have to do to be saved. And so I just said, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't finished pre- preaching yet. I mean, apparently I'd done enough because it's working, but, but I had one of the leaders go, Hey, if you don't mind, would you pray for him? Why? Well, I see if anybody else wants to slide into salvation this morning. Right? So it was an interesting morning. He has this incredible encounter with God. Incredible things happen. And then later on, he, he grows. He's getting mature. God's doing great things. He becomes a deacon. He's a leader in our church. And then he gets a hernia. He's, he's a, a mechanic, and he ends up with a hernia, and he's like struggling with it. And so he's scheduled for surgery. He's going to go in for surgery. They've done all the preliminaries. Now, the only thing left is for him to go in and get his, his surgery. And so <clears throat> literally, everybody's praying for him. I had not had a chance to pray for him that morning. But some other brothers prayed for him before he was supposed to go in on that Monday morning for his surgery. So they pray for him, and he just said, I, I'm just trusting the Lord for healing. What does that mean? He'd heard testimonies that God had done that for other people, and he was believing that God would also do that for him. Why? Because he understood God is no respecter of persons. If he would do it for others, he would do it for him. And so he goes in for that surgery. Um, to make a long story not so long, <laughs> he said, I got in there and they said, we, we can't find a hernia. There's, uh, and I'm like, I don't understand that completely. I just know that probably they wouldn't have scheduled him for surgery, right? If, they, if he didn't have what they said he had. And, and so, and all of his pain had gone away. And he literally walked away with, he didn't have surgery and he also didn't have a hernia. So how did that happen? Well, obviously the power of God did that. But how did that happen to him personally? And the answer was, he saw in Scripture, the testimony of Jesus was, Jesus is a healer. He's no respecter of persons, so he's not going to do it for the first century church and not do it for the 21st century church, right? And so this is the testimony. He is no respecter of persons. But what has to happen is, the testimonies have to be told. There has to be a declaration of the testimony. It's what God called us to do when he said, I've made you a minister of reconciliation, Why? So that you can go and reconcile others to Christ. The same thing that's happened in you when you tell the story will begin to happen in others. What was that? That God no longer holds your sin against you. 
Now, I don't know if you know this or not. That's really good news. And I preach this and people go, oh, you better be careful. People aren't going to live right if you start sharing that. It's greasy grace and they start preaching. And I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. I preached for years and years about legalism and nobody ever lived right. I remember a guy came and, and rebuked me one time. He said, you keep preaching this and people are just going to live all kinds of crazy ways and just going to sin like crazy. And he was a pastor. And I said, I just started laughing. He goes, why are you laughing? I said, I just think it's funny that you don't think your people are sinning. <laughs> right? So that, what does that look like? It looks like when you hear the testimony that God no longer holds your sin against you, you're probably going to ask the question, why? And that's the gospel. The gospel is the answer to the question, how and why doesn't God hold your sins against you? And the answer is because Jesus took them all on the cross. Now, you can keep them. You can keep the consequences, and you can pay them for yourself if you like. Or you could let Jesus pay for them, and then they're all paid for. Well, not the next ones, not the ones I do tomorrow. All of them, for all time, have been paid for. The good news of the gospel is he no longer holds your sin against you. How would you pray if you believed that? How would you receive when Travis and Marcy tell the testimony of God's good grace and kindness and goodness in all of their life, not just their finances, funny enough. God just used that to get their attention. But his kindness and his goodness all over their life, right? How, how does that happen? The answer is they believed that God wasn't holding their sin against them. So they said, God, because you're no respecter of persons, if you would do it for that family, and they're obviously sinful, like she didn't say that, I'm just saying, <laughs> obviously everybody's sinful, right? And you did that great thing for them. Does that mean you would do it for me? And the answer is 100% yes. So you have to share. Listen to Romans 10. This is just an extension of that last verse. <clears throat> he says, how then shall they call on him who they've not believed. And how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That means a declarer, a herald, someone who comes in. The picture is painted. <clears throat> you'll see this in a, uh, a couple of verses down. But the uh, heralds would come in because they didn't have the internet. They would come in and they would stand where people would gather and they would declare loudly. They would sing loudly for all to hear, like Elf said, right? Only they would sing the gospel or tell the gospel. They would tell the good news. This battle has been won, and now there's no threat. You can live in peace. That was a herald. That was a proclaimer. That was a preacher. So it goes on, Romans 10, 15. And how shall they preach? How, how shall they proclaim unless they're sent? In other, other words, God has called you and I to be on mission. We have been reconciled so that we can reconcile, Right? So he says, how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Why is there peace? Because God no longer holds your sin against you. You can have peace with God. Why? Because all the animosity of your imperfection was taken on the cross by Jesus. All, hear me, all of the wrath of God for sin was poured out on Jesus on the cross. All of it, all of time, all of the future, all of it was poured out on him. So why would you receive the condemnation for your sin if Jesus had taken it himself? Here's another question as a believer. Why would you keep sinning if you knew the kindness and the goodness of God that he took all of your sin upon himself? Why would you, you wouldn't want to keep sinning. You wouldn't go, you know what, this, this, Jesus taking my sin is awesome. I'm just going to sin like crazy. 
Nobody who understands the gospel does that. He goes on, he says, um, who bring, um, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, declare the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. That quote, how beautiful, is a quote from Isaiah 52.7. And it's a picture of the messengers who, who came, when the Jews came back from the captivity, it's the messengers who came in and said, it's all over, you're free. You've been in bondage, you've been enslaved, but now you are free. How beautiful were their feet, Isaiah said. The, the messengers who came and declared that all the animosity is over, that you've been free and you can come home again. What a beautiful picture, right? And then glad tidings of good things. We just read this in Luke 10, 2.10. Then the angel said to them, don't be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. For who? Which will be to all people, no respecter of persons. Romans 10, 17, just a couple of verses down. So then faith, how does faith to believe this? How did Marcy and Travis believe that God's goodness was also available to them? Their faith grew because they heard a testimony. They said, I can believe this because I've seen it happen in somebody else's life. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. They did not, that family did not read the scriptures to Travis and Marcy, they told a story about what Scripture has proclaimed to be true. Now, when you read Scripture, it's true, right? So reading Scripture is wonderful. But this word in the English language is only one word for word, right? But in, in, the, in the original language, it was multiple words for it. And this word was rhema. Listen to what that word means. So let me read it to you again. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. Rhema means that which is spoken, declared, said, speech, word, command, mandate, direction, promise, prediction, prophecy, a doctrine of Christ. All of these things are what it's saying. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by all these things, the things you've heard about the goodness and the kindness of God. They're all true and they're all available to you. So what's holding you back? Faith comes by hearing these. This is why we have to share our testimonies on a regular basis. It's not enough that truth happens to you because truth in secret is just truth to you. But when truth is proclaimed, when the goodness is proclaimed, it becomes a vehicle that releases it into other people's lives. So why is this so important? This vehicle is the promise that would be transmitted to others in need. When you share the testimony, it becomes a vehicle that takes the goodness and the mercy and the kindness and the power of God, and it moves it from them into you in your heart, and you believe it, and you can receive it for yourself. It causes your faith to grow, which is why we share testimonies on a regular basis. Why do we have this morning um, during worship, why do we have people come up and share this word that they got? That's a rhema word. I feel like the Lord is saying this. I'm sharing this because two people had a picture. Jen had a, God, God used a movie and a scene in the movie where the light bursts through. And then uh, Marcy came over and said, I just had a picture of the light bursting through. And so two people, let it be confirmed with two witnesses. I love that. Two people had this picture for someone in the service that God's saying, hey, this good news is for you too. And if that was you this morning and you're like, man, that was so me, then you can believe it. You can receive it. How? Because there was a testimony of God's goodness. It's a testimony of what he wanted to do in your life. It's beautiful. But you still have to make a decision about what you're going to do with the testimony. Are you going to receive it? So a testimony is about what God has done. Let me say it this way. When you share a testimony, you are never the main character. This is how you know you're growing in maturity 
when you share a testimony and it becomes less and less about you and more and more about the great God that we serve. We, we used to share, sometimes this is terrible, but it's, it's true. We used to share testimonies when I first got saved in, you know, 30-something years ago, only I called them depressed-timonies. Because <laughs> it, it would get up and say, you know, it, it would be more about what the devil had done to them and less about what God had, 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 was trying to do for them. Oh, oh man, you know, it's, the, it's, been a tough, it's been a tough week. Uh, the devil's just been on me with depression and discouragement, and, you know, and I'm just struggling. And, and it, was, it was like 20 minutes of the problem. And they'd go, well, I guess the Lord wants me to get free. That's not a testimony. That's just you sharing your problem. That's, go tell your therapist, <laughs> right? If you're just going to talk about your problem, tell someone who can't do something about it because just talking about it makes you feel better. It relieves some of the pressure. I remember a guy said it this way. He said, modern psychology is wonderful, but he said it's kind of like a carnival ride. He said, you know, when it starts going too fast and all of a sudden you start getting sick, he said modern psychology and therapists and all those things, wonderful people. Even better if they're Christians because they have a different foundation. But they're wonderful. Why? Because it'll slow the ride down. There's a release valve. But Jesus is the only one that will stop the ride and let you off. And that's what a testimony should be. How did Jesus stop the ride and let me off? And when I tell that story more and more and more, Jesus becomes the main character, the main person in the testimony. So testimonies from God are your inheritance. And I'm almost done. There's a revelation of his nature and his character. A revelation of God through a testimony is always an invitation to know God experientially and that how he has revealed himself. If he would do this provision for this other family, he would be provision to you. His character and nature revealed in a testimony is he is a provider. Travis and Marcy just said, I believe that that's who you are, not just to them, because you're no respecter of persons. You are also a provider for me. Every time you hear a testimony of healing, guess what? He is the healer for you too. Every time you hear a testimony that he's provided or comforted or brought peace or strength or he's been a tower that you could run to in the storm, every one of those testimonies is a declaration of his character and his nature and his kindness and his goodness to you but you have to make a decision about what you're going to do with the testimony. Is it true or isn't it true? And God will declare himself in so many ways that what begins to happen is you begin to have encounters. And those encounters with God and his kindness and his goodness and his nature, they begin to transform you. And let me say it this way. Transformed people transform people. Right? And that's what we're all about here. So let me close with this. And Karen's going to come up and share in just a second. As we go into this next year, some of us had tough years, and I get it, but don't let 2023 be a depressed okay? <laughs> let it be a testimony of what God wants to do to change it. Is, God's, is God saying, you know what, I'm just going to leave you here? Have you bought the lie that says he's the kind of father who leaves you in your pain, your heartache, because that's, he's just trying to teach you something. You know, he's, he's like you. You would give your, your kids COVID to teach them something. Isn't that what you do? Like when you get COVID, you're like, come here, let me lick you. I want to give you COVID as well because I want you to grow and learn some valuable lessons about something. <laughs> Doesn't that sound more like the devil than God? That's because that's what it is. And so when we begin to hear and understand who God is, it, it changes everything. So let me finish with this scripture in Matthew. And this is in the message, which I call it the hippie Bible, because it's, it's not a translation, it's, um, it's a paraphrase. And it's, it's helpful sometimes, because it, it changes syntax, it does some things that sometimes makes it 
easier to understand, but it's not entirely accurate. So keep that in mind when you're reading some of those uh, paraphrases. So Matthew 7, this is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. Do you remember reading that in the Sermon on the Mount? But that's exactly what he was saying. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. See how it's the hippie Bible? If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? If he asks for fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? They call that child abuse. That's not your heavenly father doing that, right? And then he goes on, he says, he says uh, as bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better? So in other words, he said, if you being evil, the King James says, if you being evil in comparison to God, if you being evil do good things for your kids, how much more will God give good gifts to his children? But if you bought the lie that says, you know what? I haven't done well. I haven't lived up to the standard. Guess what? You can't. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner the work of the law has been done in you, the tutor of the law has led you to your understanding for the need for a Savior. That's what the law does. When you can't live up to the standard, what it should be telling us is, I can't live up to the standard. So I never feel connected to God. I never feel loved. I never feel, I can never, I can never be enough. But thank God, Jesus was enough for us. And if we understand that, we receive what he did, which means every good gift that the Father has for his son Jesus, he also has for you and I. But if you bought the lie that I've not done well, then you are literally trying to obtain from God something on your own merit, and you can never do it. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you can receive that a Savior, a, a, the lover of your soul, came and did it on your behalf, so all the good gifts, just like that, that, that veil was ripped from top to bottom, all the good that God wants to do for humanity where sin was in the way, now because you have believed and trusted in Jesus and he's taken your sin away, does that mean you're perfect and you're going to live perfect? No, it doesn't. But it means as you grow and you receive the good gifts of God, the more you want to be with God, the more you see him, the more you have revelation of him, guess what? The more you are going to be like him. So that's the testimony. If you've seen God's nature or character towards someone else, remember he shows no partiality. If he's done it for anybody, he will do it for you. And lastly, this is the bottom line. Karen, if you, you want to come up. The bottom line is this. If God has done it for others, he will do it for you. And if he's done it for you, he will do it for others. So receive other people's testimony of what God has done and then share your testimony of what he's done in you. Why? Because it begins to grow and grow, and grow. And then we become a people of the testimony. And then we start smiling more. We start being happy more. We start walking in God's favor, and his kindness, and his goodness. We start reflecting the nature of God, and we become more like him to a people who desperately need to see a good God. Amen? Care? Thanks so much. Um, can y'all take a breath? I feel like sometimes Dave will get going and he'll be going 100 miles an hour and I'll be like, whoo. Um, but I want to uh, just share a couple of things as we kind of wrap this up for this service, you guys. And um, 
I just want to share a couple of, of scriptures as we get started and um, just are not started as we're kind of wrapping up. So y'all don't, y'all don't forget. It's like, oh my gosh, are we having another service? So we are not. Um, I do want to read a couple of scriptures, though, for us. One of the things that I love about um, the Old Testament is as God was leading his people Israel and as he was um, leading them into the promised land and redeeming and leading us through, you know, really Jesus from Genesis to Revelation, um, God wanted to establish a testimony in Israel, and he wants to establish a testimony in your life. The gospel of salvation becomes your initial testimony because that's when you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious light. And so the testimonies are not just that one time. The testimonies are continual and ongoing throughout our lives until we take our last breath of his goodness. And so I just want to read this, that um, the establishing of God's testimony, that it becomes a revelation of God's nature. And I know Dave has shared that um, very much. But I just want to read um, this scripture for us. And then I want to just read some of the testimonies that have come from all of you and um, maybe from some people who are not here today, but um, they are the invitation. What I love about testimonies is that it is a prophetic invitation into your life and my life that says, Lord, would you do this again for me? And that is exactly what Travis and Marcy did when they heard the financial testimony. They said, Lord, will you do that for me? So in Psalm 78, it says this, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Testimonies are what we get to build on, you guys. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like the ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. There is a reason why the testimonies are so powerful among us. And Psalms 119.24 says this, Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And so this morning, as you hear these testimonies, if it's something that resonates with you, maybe you're not the one who wrote it down and stuck it up there on the board, but you're like, man, God, I need that in my life. Will you do that for me? Will you just ask him? Will you ask him to be that for you this morning because it is his character it is his nature it his love it's his love towards you so i'm just going to read some of these and then we'll get into like 2024 um and i'll just kind of read these so you'll kind of know what they were so i was struggling with facing difficulties by myself in daily life and at work and the lord began strengthening me that he is always with me in all situations and i know he is absolutely faithful I was struggling with my husband's employment and finding a church family. And the Lord led us to DCF. And when this church started praying for us, everything turned around. And what I know about God is he is always with me. 
I was struggling with putting my trust in God with finances and him guiding me through. And then the Lord opened up doors and showed me a breakthrough. He showed me he is there with me. And I know that God is with me through the good times and the bad. I was struggling with finding peace in my heart after losing my husband. And then the Lord sent me to this church in a wonderful church family, adding to my own family. What I now know about God is he gives you what you ask for and need in your life if you believe. I was struggling with suffocating anxiety. Then the Lord overwhelmed me with his peace. Y'all, this is my testimony. If you struggle with anxiety, the Lord has overwhelming peace for you. Overwhelming peace. And he says this, and what I now know about God is that he is with me and who he said he is for me. He is Prince of Peace. And if you need peace this morning, that's an invitation to you. What has the Lord done for you this year? I was struggling with lack. And then the Lord proved himself faithful as a provider. What I know about God is that he is faithful. I was struggling with the finances for this year. And the Lord um, gave up time after time providing all of our needs and prompting one of our body members to give specifically the amount of money that we needed. I know that he is the proven provider in our provision. I was struggling with finances, and the Lord helped by providing for needs as we needed it. I know that God sees, he knows my needs, and will make a way even though we don't see it in the moment. I was struggling with wanting to completely switch gears with my career, and the Lord opened the door for me to sell my business and expand my new business. I have much better hours and can work from anywhere with much less stress. What I know about God is that he is always faithful and provides in ways we never could have imagined. I was struggling with, um, I had been working towards being completely debt free. um, And then the Lord met all our needs and wants. We paid off all of our bills, including the house. God is good, full of grace, and is always faithful. And I will tell you, I know that that is Travis and Marcy. Because they have shared that testimony in this house that they paid off their home and are debt free. Um, I love this. This is for our kids. This is why it's powerful for you as families and moms and dads. And as you have friends and relationships gathered around your table, they hear the testimonies of the goodness of the Lord. This testimony is from one of our kids. I was struggling with schoolwork, and then the Lord helped me with my times tables. What I now know about God is that he is a savior and a giver. Um, So it's important for your kids to know the testimonies of who the Lord is. I was struggling with a car battery. It died without any warning, so I needed a $230 new battery. The Lord blessed me through my work Christmas bonus, and that paid for the battery and then some. God is more than enough for what you need this morning. I know that he, um, I know that things will happen before they, or he knows that things will happen before they do, and he provides exactly what I need. Are y'all kind of getting a thread woven through here that the Lord is your provider? He is provision for you. I was struggling with my dad's death and everything he left behind, and I was missing my dad. Then the Lord helped me and held me up even when I couldn't tell. He was the father I was missing even when I didn't want him. He is persistent and faithful even when I was mad and upset. God is there. I love the Bible says that he's well acquainted with our grief. He's well acquainted with who we are. 
I was struggling with depression through divorce and that I wasn't allowed to see my daughter. And then I got a text and um, I was able to see her and everything got better. And what I know about God is that he brings happiness through miracles that make life easier even when you have no one. So he is the one who sticks closer than a brother. I was struggling with finding purpose and direction. And then the Lord opened our home to children as we became foster parents and adoptive parents. What I know about God is that our purpose is to provide the love God has given and shown to us to others and to provide for his children, and he will take care of the rest. I was struggling with identity and direction, and then the Lord healed me on a visceral level of self-hatred and self-disgust that I didn't know I carried. Because of revelation through relationship, I now love who I've been uniquely designed to be. What I know about God is that he is such a tender lover of my soul, of who I am. He adores me, and he redefines me. I was struggling with finances, health, injuries, and missing my girls. And the Lord blessed us with a home, found me a good job, found me a doctor to help heal me. I love doctors too, y'all. They're, they're, they're good people, so we have some in our house. What I know about God is that he is always here for me. I need to trust him and that he is there for me. I was struggling with grief and loss and weariness. And then the Lord showed me his kindness through everyone around me. Even perfect strangers blessed me. He is close to the brokenhearted. What I know about God is that he is love. He is grace. He is closer than my brother. He lives on the inside of me. And he is my comforter and friend. This year, um, what's the Lord done for you? He says, not having my family in a church. And he said, the Lord kept pressing me and giving me signs that it was my obligation to have my family in church. What I now know about God is that he is my Savior and he forgives us all, no matter our journeys that we have uh, in our mess-ups that we have them. Without him, I'm nothing, and by him, I can be the best husband and father. I was struggling with a large monthly bill I knew was going to start, and I wasn't sure how to manage it. The Lord gave me peace, and the payment was reduced by $100, and I could fit it into my budget. What I know about God is that he is faithful to meet my needs. So in 2023, these are the testimonies of the Lord's healing, his provision, his faithfulness, his nearness, his closeness, who he is for you. And those are all invitations for you to say, Lord, I need that in my life going into 2024. And um, how we keep the testimony, we do it multiple ways, you guys. We list them, which is what we've done here. I would encourage you, starting off 2024, grab you a jar. The kids are doing that today. They're making a jar to put the testimonies of the Lord in. I don't care if it's a binder, a notebook, you write it down every day. Whatever was good that the Lord did for you, write it down. You list them. Uh, learn from them. I love how they become counsel to us, you know. And I just kind of mentioned this morning something from a message that I heard that when the Lord has built over a 40-year lifetime of serving him, that he is going to be my provider and he is provision it is now no longer legal for me to wonder and guess and not trust if he's going to provide for me. Think about that for a minute. When he has proven again and again his faithfulness to provide, may not have looked like what you thought it was going to look like, which is evident in some of these testimonies, but there was provision. It's like we can no longer wonder and guess, is he going to provide for us? And then lastly, 
we share them, we proclaim them, we talk about them, we let one another know, we share them in our workplaces, you know, we are light in dark places, you guys. And then in 2024, as we kind of get this close to kind of um, doing something a little bit different here towards the end, and thank you for being gracious for your, with your time this morning, if you're a guest, I know this is probably very different from what you have experienced in church, so um, welcome to DCF. Um, but 2024, these are some things that people are asking the Lord for as they go into 24. And what I want to ask you is if something in here resonates with you, will you stand and say, Lord, I want that for me too. And it can be even some of the things from 2023, but for 2024, this is what this house is trusting for. And if you want to be a part of this house, you kind of are getting a glimpse into what's in our heart for 2024. For 2024, I want guidance to lead my family well. I want financial blessings so that I can bless others, and I want to be financially free. I want family, relationship, family relationships healed and mended and restored. I want a better teacher at school, and I want to have friends at school. I want dead dreams to be resurrected. I want to enjoy God's love, drawn deeper into the Father's love. I want the promise of a new start and a new place in a spiritual family. I want to be strengthened in my body and in my soul. In my soul. I want a larger home to fit the people that God's bringing I want to live from rest. I want abundant provision. I want a full of hope future. I want continued growth in the spirit. I want direction. I want to live in mission. I want people to come to faith in Christ. Prodigals to return home. Family revivals. I want healing in mind, body, and soul. I want to see the healing of diseases, of Parkinson's, of cancers, and what ails the body. I want to have an art studio for creatives to thrive. I want my business to grow so that I can further the kingdom of God. I want to see Jesus in new ways. I want to see a greater move of God in my personal life and in my church. I want to see revival. I want to see the kingdom of God break out and sign miracles and wonders that the faith of God would grow and move among us and in our city if that's what's in your heart it's what's in the heart of this house we're going to play a song and um, you may not know the song it's a brand new song to most of us to some of us some of us you may have heard it you may not have heard it and it starts off with that there's some God problems there's some problems that only God can fix, and it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by the Spirit of God. And this morning, this is our declaration over 2024, over 2024, that we see blind eyes healed. We see cancer disappear. We see Parkinson's removed. That we see the healing and the love of our Savior and what he's paid for, what the Lamb of our what, the, what, what Jesus has paid for, that the Lamb of God would receive his reward. And I want to tell you, these things are his reward because he paid for you to live in them and to walk in them. So amen. So we're going to turn on the music. You can worship. We're going to worship for a few minutes in this moment. And then what we're going to do is we're going to come back and close. So just absorb and worship in this song, okay? Yeah, Lord, we just thank you, Lord. That you are the God who fixes problems, Lord. That you are our refuge. You are our strength, Lord. God, we declare in this house that anything is possible and everything is possible through you and in you, Lord. 
We worship you this morning. We thank you for the future that you have for us, Lord, together, Lord God, in one purpose, in a vision, Lord God, going into 2024, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for who you've been for us in the past and who you will be for us in the future, Lord. And this morning, God, would you begin to build and to continue to build and establish the foundation of a testimony of the goodness of the Lord among us, Lord. We worship you and we thank you, Jesus. And it's in your great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, our team spent some time praying for you for this service. And we're going to have some words that will be up on the board. If any of those resonate with you, our ministry team will be up front. We would love to pray for you to go into um, what that would look like and agree with you. And also, if you just need prayer for anything this morning, our ministry team will be up front. We would love to pray for you. God bless you guys. We hope you have a great week. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we look forward to seeing you again. And have a great new year. Um, uh, so we know that we don't know what it holds, but we know that Jesus knows what it holds. Amen, you guys.